It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're going to dive into the Oklahoma City Thunder getting an overtime win over the Chicago Bulls and Billy Donovan SGA finds his way to 30 points. Kenny Hustle has his best game of the year. Josh Giddy takes over overtime in the Thunder coming together a bit as a young team. We'll talk about the lessons learned on today's Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast. On the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOTHUNDERPOD. Email the show, LOTHUNDERPOD at gmail.com. On today's show, we are recapping the Oklahoma City Thunder overtime win over the Chicago Bulls. SGA drops 30 points again. Darius Baisley plays well off the bench. Poku continues to shine and... Josh Kitty takes over over time. This show is brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. The best odds, lines, and props than ever before. The Thunder game overview. They did not have Chet Holmgren, of course, out for the year. Usman Jang. So he played for the Blue. Came off the bench this afternoon. That was due to him missing a team meeting. Uh, head coach Cameron Woods told me that he uh, missed the team meeting, so it was standard protocol to have him come off the bench. Uh, for the blue. Then after the blue game, he got recalled by the thunder. And so then I asked Mark about recalling him. And Mark said that playing for the blue was about getting mileage on the car. And he was uh, really explaining how Usman just needed opportunity and needed a pathway to minutes and heavy minutes and consistent minutes each night in a non pressurized situation. And now Mark said that he'll be on the road trip. They're going to go to Houston on uh, Saturday, tomorrow, and they're going to go to uh, New Orleans on Monday. And he also added that Usman will be with the Thunder for a good stint. What does that mean? Who knows? But uh, the Blue don't play again until December 4th uh, at home. So we'll see how that all shakes out. But it looks like Usman, uh, moving forward, will get a uh, a good shake. And when you look at it, the Thunder are playing a back-to-back. Granted, he's also on a back-to-back. He didn't play in the nightcap, but he did play at, two, at uh, 12 o'clock for the blue played, I want to say around 25, 30 minutes for the blue, uh, in that, uh, in that afternoon cap. So he's still in the back to back as well, uh, but he could see some time tomorrow against Houston. Uh, Lindy waters was out. He played for the blue as well. So did Jalen Williams. And then remember Mike Muscala's out for about a week or so with a fractured pinky, uh, Lonzo ball out for the, um, bulls. And then Drogic of course was questionable upgraded from questionable to, uh, from doubtful to questionable. I don't think he played uh, the thunder starters were SGA, Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, Jalen Williams, Alexei Pukashevsky, Thunder minute starters, five most minute getters, Rest GA, Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, 
Uh, Kenny Hustle also among the five-minute getters as well. This game was yet another game where SGA got it going. He scored 12 points in the first quarter. It looked like he loved attacking Alex Caruso, even broke him off for what would have been a huge highlight reel, but the shot was missed, so it will be forgotten in Thunder history and Thunder lore, but it was a great move to break down uh, Alex Caruso. And then he just found a way to 30 points. The 12-point uh, first quarter helps, but he continued to shoot inefficiently as he has kind of all week. He got to 30 points really by getting to the free throw line. 14 of 15 in this game. Got MVP chance at the free throw line. Sealed the game at the free throw line as well. Uh, seven assists, eight rebounds a block, one turnover, 40 minutes of work. Overall, the shooting and efficiency, I think, is more so due to the strenuous schedule than anything else. Like I, I would not look at this week and freak out that he's going to come crashing down in any sort of uh, efficient category, you know, shooting percentage, three-point percentage, whatever. I think it's more so you play Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Now you're going to play again Saturday. Two of those games go to overtime, you know, Wednesday and Friday go to overtime. You are the guy for a team, and you're playing 35, 40 minutes a night, 42 minutes a night in the last game, where when you're on the floor, everything is is centered around you, and the whole defense is centered on you as well. That is a lot of toll to take on your body to play three games in this short span and then know you have a game coming up uh, tomorrow against Houston. So I just think think that that's kind of the shooting, quote-unquote, slump for him. But it does show progression from him. If SGA had not taken a leap and had not figured out ways to make an impact beyond his efficient scoring ability, we wouldn't see a 30-point game in this one. This is what superstars do. What he's done this week, where he's not shooting 50% from the floor. He's not shooting 60% from the floor. He's shooting 30%, 44%, 45% from the floor and still falling into 30 points. Superstars, at the end of the day, you just look up, and their stat line is very steady at you know 25 to 30 points, seven assists, six rebounds, whatever the case is for, for the individual player, depending on the position, obviously. like It might not feel as, as flashy game in, game out. Some games will feel like, He's the best player to ever walk the earth whenever you're watching an NBA superstar. Some games will feel like, huh? He got 30 points? Really? I didn't think he had 30 points. Like, that's what superstars do, though. Uh, they can they can have a game where you think, hmm, a little bit of an off game from, from this superstar. Then you look up at the scoreboard and go, oh, wait a second. They still had 30 freaking points. An area of growth that I think uh, we've been trying to point out in this podcast all week and all, all season was SGA's improved passing. This game had a lot of plays where you could see it. Uh, obviously, with SGA being the leader of the offense and, and the best offensive player on the team by by a mile and the best offensive player on the floor in 99% of games, the, the the defense are blitzing him out of the pick and roll, trying to trap him up top after he gets a screen. And out of that look, he did a fantastic job getting these bounce passes into the pocket for Jerry on a mid-range jumper, had one to poke at the free throw line, I think, that he missed, and then had one... Uh, for Poku again, cutting like these bounce passes that he has this year are something that we didn't really see a lot from him until now. And it's just another testament to how improved his playmaking is. And I mentioned this on Wednesday, the possession in which he deferred to Isaiah Joe, because Isaiah Joe was on a hot streak and uh, you know, he, he wanted to defer for one possession to Isaiah Joe. 
in overtime, whenever SGA still hasn't locked up that 30-point game yet, right? He didn't lock up that 30-point game till the end of the game free throws, uh, whenever he officially iced the game. Still had not locked up the 30-point game yet, so that was still a carrot out there selfishly in the individual column for him. And, of course, he wants to be the guy that ends this kind of short losing streak and, and gets the Thunder to close out an overtime game. Obviously, he wants to do that as, a, as the max player, as the upcoming all-star, as the, as the newborn superstar, as the MVP caliber player he's playing as this year. But yet in overtime, he defers to Josh Giddy, who had a not good start, started two for seven from the floor, did not have it all night, but somehow turned it on in overtime. He recognizes that SGA does, and he lets Josh Giddy run the show, run the offense, um, get in, get into his uh, his bag as a you know as a rim finisher, which he's been good at this year. Josh Giddy has, uh, and let Josh Giddy orchestrate things. Uh, you know, him and Mark and Josh kind of set all that up, and, and I think that just that just shows you how when this team is flushed out, when this team is is going to have the pieces they need and experience that they need. That's a big part of this. Like we always talk about Thunder in the sense of, oh, when they're ready to win. I don't like that that phrase. This team wants to win right now. Like they're ready to try to win right now. The problem is it's not the roster construction. It's the inexperience, right? Like it's not that SGA and Josh Giddy don't want to win right now. It's that they don't know how to win yet. They're still trying to figure things out. Like on Wednesday, when you get down 19, you get up 15, then you blow it and lose in overtime. Like, that's not the Thunder not wanting to win or not being ready to try to win. That's the Thunder being the second youngest team in NBA history, only ahead of last year's Thunder team, by far the youngest team this year, and them just not understanding what it takes to close a game. You get in that same scenario Friday against the Bulls, you close out the game, and you win in overtime. You find that extra gear. So I say that to say, when this team gets in a position where they are flushed out and this and this roster is is golden, right? And everyone agrees that they are they're going full force at contending and, and they think that they have the experience to as well. One of the big questions that have been had over the last year is well, how does Josh and Shea coexist? They're both ball dominant players. What are they gonna do to to make this work? Shea has proven to you at every step he's going to make the right basketball decision. He's going to make the right basketball play. He's comfortable playing off ball, comfortable playing on ball, comfortable deferring to whoever's having the hot night or hot moment or hot, or hot possession. He is comfortable doing what the team needs him to do. So if it's deferring to Josh Giddy, it's deferring to Josh Giddy one night. If it's being a heavy isolation player one night, it's being a heavy isolation player. If it's finding ways to feed Chet the ball next year, it's finding ways to feed Chet the ball next year. Like he's going to do whatever it takes, no matter who the player is that's going to get the stats. He had every right to secure his 30-point game from the way he's played this season, from the way this season is being treated, from every aspect, just as what he's earned as a, as a star player in general. He could have said, it's overtime, it's time for your max player to take over, give me the ball. No, Mark, I'm bringing the ball to the floor. I'm your point guard. I'm the one that you paid a max contract to. I'm the one that's going to Salt Lake City in, in uh, February. He didn't. Mark and Josh, you know, they, they orchestrated to where Josh brings the ball to the floor. SGA was fine, played off ball, set screens, came off of screens, tried to get freed up, and then, of course, let Josh cook as well. And Josh took over the game. They won the game in overtime. But I think that this is another example of 
SGA playing the game the right way. So you can just stop with how can it work and will, will, will. They're going to defer to each other. They're going to play off of each other. They're going to find a way to to have this pairing work. It's just a matter of sitting back and letting it work. Sitting back and letting them figure it out because they want to. That's all that's left to do uh, when it comes to SGA and Josh Giddy. Now, we're going to talk more about Josh Giddy. Also talk more about how the Thunder uh, learned from Wednesday and won this game on Friday. But first, the show is brought to you by ExpressVPN. So we all know how ExpressVPN protects your privacy and security online, right? But here's something you might not know. You can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. So maybe you're running out of stuff to watch on Netflix. This will change your world. ExpressVPN allows you to binge The Office on the UK Netflix server. So you can see a whole new version of The Office. It's so simple to do. Just sign into Netflix, fire up that ExpressVPN app, change your location to the UK, refresh Netflix, and that's it. You can watch The Office UK right then and there. ExpressVPN lets you control where you want sites to think you are located. You can choose from almost a hundred different countries. Just imagine all the Netflix libraries that you can go through. If you love Korean dramas, use ExpressVPN uh, and also check out Netflix and ExpressVPN and all these other streaming services like Hulu, uh, like YouTube, you name it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there but the reason I use ExpressVPN is to show, is for shows and to watch shows because it's ridiculously fast. It's never buffering or lagging at all. You can stream it in HD, no problem. ExpressVPN also works on all your devices, phone, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. So you can watch what you want on the big screen or on the go. So if you want to access hundreds of new shows, Go to expressvpn.com slash locked on right now and you can get your extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash locked on expressvpn.com slash locked. Go there right now to learn more expressvpn.com slash locked. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. We are back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at Hello Thunder Pod. Email the show, hellothunderpod at gmail.com. 
on today's show brought to you by Bet Online. We are here for you talking Thunder basketball and talking about the Thunder getting this big win in overtime over the Bulls. Let's talk Boku real quick. Boku, 15 points, six rebounds, two assists, a block, a steal, 46% from the floor, one for three from three. Had that self pass third quarter buzzer beater, which was electric. Electric. I think that the only overarching statement to make for Poku this game, this was a game in which you could physically see, if you go back and watch it, if you're looking for it, how the game has slowed down for Poku. He's more patient. He's more comfortable with the ball in his hands. He, When he gets the ball in his hands, he's not just freaking out, right? He's, he's not just throwing up a shot or or wide-eyed and looking for the, the next pass to make or trying to do too much. Like When he gets the ball, it's like he's taking a breath and he's just figuring out the next option. He's not in a hurry to do something. It's just slowed down for him. He's just more comfortable, and that's what you want to see from him. Darius Baisley off the bench also was great. 17 points, 77% from the floor, 2 for 4 from 3. He started out 2 for 2 in the corner. 3 rebounds, 2 blocks, fantastic defense. And Baisley's big thing has been the inconsistency. right? When he plays like this, when he plays aggressive, he does good. He plays well. The one possession that he did not play aggressive in this game was his worst possession. It was whenever they get the ball in the mid-range around the low block and he's on Caruso and he looks at Caruso and goes, huh, should, should I try to back him down, you think? Mm, okay. Turns his body to go back down Caruso, looks one more time at Caruso and goes, never mind, and throws the ball to the Bulls bench, which is on the opposite side of the court. But that indecisiveness of not just taking advantage of the mouse in the house, that stuff is where Baisley gets in trouble. When Baisley is doing things pronto, when he's doing things in a hurry, he's fine. He's perfect. He's incredible when he's doing things in a hurry because he can play that great defense and he can play his role on offense. He can get you tough buckets. He can get you those aggressive slams. He had one of his better slam dunks in this game as well. But it's finding that not even balance, just that consistency of how, how many times a year can he do this? Can he do this more often than not? Can he do this more? Can he stack these games upon each other? But going back to Josh Kitty, Josh Kitty absolutely took over in overtime. He started out two for seven. He ends five for 13, 38%. Racked up points in overtime, got 10 points. He had nine assists, 13 rebounds, almost a triple-double. Had a block. He had the game-saving rebound. Game clinching, I should say, rebound. Five turnovers. This is what I think is happening with Josh Giddy. I think he is just pressing. He had an electric rookie season where he set records and uh, he, he dazzled fans and he made all rookie team. The NBA, as he admitted, has adjusted to him. They've thrown their counterpunch and he's trying so desperately hard to throw his counterpunch, that he's leaving himself wide open for another punch, right? He, he's compounding the problems. He's missing a shot and then getting fresher with himself. He's having a turnover, then instead of just snapping and clearing and moving forward, he's letting that hang, hang himself down as well. Like, he is just trying to get it all back. You hear it all the time whenever teams are trying to come back. Like, there's no there's no four-point shot. So don't worry about, about getting it all back. There's no 20-point shot in this comeback. Chip away and chip away. And he's not necessarily chipping away Game to game. Each game, he's starting out the same way. 
each game, it looks like he's starting out trying to get off on the right foot, trying to prove to himself and to everyone else that he is a good basketball player. It doesn't work initially. Then he turns it on in the second half whenever he calms down and just lets the game kind of come to him. And so it's just it's just finding a way, I think, to get Josh Giddy grounded. And that's a lot of liberties I've taken and, and, and leaps I've taken to, to get to that assumption, but that's just what it looks like from the outside looking in about Josh Giddy and the way he's playing. Because it's still in there. Like he's still playing and, and you know, fantastic. He had he had just jaw dropping passes, you know, the, especially the the ball fake to to uh um Poku to uh, lead to a easy dump down to Kendrick Williams for, for an easy two, which of course helped them prolong the game and eventually win the game uh, tonight. Like he's still doing all those little bitty things, just like a couple days ago, getting a triple double in the guard and having um, the, the SNY crew just freak out about how good he is. Like it's still in there. He's still that caliber of player that you saw last year. He's even better this year. I think like if you go look, he's a better in finisher this year. He's a better uh, ball handler this year than he was last year. He's a better defender this year than he was last year. Like, he's doing all these things better. It's just, it's not all meshing at the same time to be as eye catching. Um, and, and there's so much pressure on him to, to get better. Like, Fans are calling it a sophomore slump when technically, statistically, it's all trending upward for the most part for, for Josh Kitty. Like, he has that much pressure on him. I think that he puts even more pressure on himself uh, than, than even fans do. So I, I think that with Josh Kitty, you're just waiting on it, the fever to break, just like with Lou Dort. Lou Dort started out as bad as you can start for the first five, six, seven, ten games of the season. And now he's shooting 40% from three over the last like five games or whatever, and he's playing great. He's playing great. Eventually, that will that will circle back around for Josh Giddy. But in the meantime, I think he's trying to do a little bit too much to start games. Now he'll eventually settle into the game and be fine. But it's just being fine right out of the right out of the gate for Josh Giddy. That's what he needs to work on moving forward. What you need to work on moving forward is sweating. And by sweating, I mean not sweating, getting control over your sweat by getting sweat block. Folks, we all know somebody, or maybe impacted ourselves by excessive sweating, it can ruin a good thing. Whether it's a big presentation, a group gathering, a family event, a date, whatever it is, right? We've all been there where the sweating on the forehead, glistening off of our off of our face, the, the armpit stains, right? Back sweat. It's Oklahoma, folks. We've all been there, right? No, no shame in it. But if you're someone who excessively sweats under pressure, gets the clammy hands, or whatever the case may be, you can choose sweat block, apply it to the needed areas, and it can help you not sweat up to seven days and keep you fresh, keep you clean, keep you looking good, feeling confident in yourself, wanting to go take on the world. It can do it for you. Go to sweat block. You can find them on Amazon. Also, sweatblock.com slash locked on, promo code locked on as well for 20% off. Sweatblock is exactly what you need to get your life back from sweat. We've all been there. It's not comfortable whenever you're giving a big presentation. You just feel yourself just drenched in sweat. You lose that confidence. You can't deliver that punch that you want to deliver in these presentations. You can't be your best self on your date. You can't enter a tough environment whenever you're already sweating before you get in there. You want to take care of this, and you can do that by going sweatblock.com also finding sweatblock on amazon check it out today sweatblock.com promo code locked on 20% off make sure you go right now sweatblock 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 this is jake from locked on 
Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We are back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod. Thank you so much. We're making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, Talking Thunder Basketball. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode. Check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast for the games that matter most, going beyond the box score, behind the scenes, Locked On Sports Today, wherever you get your podcast from. Talking more about this game. Jeremiah Robinson played really well. I thought he had his best game offensively in terms of aggression, in terms of, uh, of not hesitating on the offensive end. 10 points, three rebounds, two, uh, two steals, 55% shooting, a solid 19 minutes. Uh, Kenny Hustle, I think his best game of the season. Great contributions, eight points, two assists, uh, one steal, and uh, I should say two steals, I think, uh, six rebounds and 57% from the floor. It's not a jaw-dropping stat line, but if you watched him play his role for these lineups as a, as a, uh, as a kind of a glue guy in these certain lineups and especially trying to help the Thunder survive the non-SGA minutes, he did a really good job in that, in that feat as well. So great job for Kenny Hustle. Now, how did the Thunder win this game? Another slow start. They get down 12 to start the game after a, after a 9-0 run by the Bulls. But then the Thunder take a 10-point lead. There were 15 lead changes, 13 times this game was tied. OKC uh, wins the rebounding battle 59-57. to The Thunder create two more turnovers than the Bulls. However, the Bulls have one more point off turnover than OKC. The Bulls cashed in on more of those turnovers despite committing more of them. OKC won points in the paint 68 to 46. The Bulls won second chance points by four and fast break points by one. The Thunder uh, had their uh, won the third quarter and first quarter. They won the third quarter by seven points, another quarter that they've dominated all season long. In the first quarter, they came back and won by two, 32 to 30. And then the Thunder had six and double figures. The Bulls had five and double figures. This Thunder team got a gritty win. Now, we can talk all day long about where the Bulls are at right now this season, how bad they've been to start the year, how disorganized they've been to start the year, whatever. Don't care about any of that. This is a Thunder team that got down 19 points, got up 15 points, and then blew it and lost to the Nuggets that only had Jokic on their roster uh, on Wednesday. This is a Thunder team that's young and that needs wins like this to keep pushing forward and to keep kind of holding everything together. Right, because if you suffer another overtime loss, another clutch time loss, and you have another back-to-back game against the against the Rockets, going to Houston, um, flying into Houston late at night, and you go to take on the the Pelicans on the road, which of course are world beaters, it, it's just a tough it's just a tough sled to go through after two overtime losses. So the Thunder needed this win; they held on to win it. 
I will say that the Thunder had a battle of adversity. Like this, this is a game in which the Thunder should not have let go to overtime. But they're young. And so they're going to have to learn whenever they survive the SGA minutes, which they did. SGA leaves the game to start the fourth quarter, as he always does. So he's not on the floor to start the fourth quarter. They had a nine-point lead whenever SGA left. So, as always, SGA does not return until the five, six, seven-minute mark. Uh, whenever he returns, that lead goes from nine to seven. The Thunder perfectly survived when SGA was off the floor. You've got to close that game. You've got to close that game if that's how you want to do your rotational patterns. And I think it's a good way to do them. I, I think that this is how the Thunder should do it whenever it's time to win a playoff series and everything. Like, I like it. Of course, playoff series, you, you would play him a little bit more. But, you know, regular season to get to the playoffs, I like the, the, the way that Mark is handling SGA's patterns. Uh, but if you're going to do that and you finally survive the SGA minutes, you've got to close it out in regulation. The Thunder couldn't do that. However, they were able to find a way to win in overtime, and that's big. For a young team to find ways to win, that is huge in terms of lessons you can learn and teach to these young guys. So it was fun. The Thunder get to do it again tonight in Houston. We're going to recap it all on the Lockdown Thunder podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team's every day. And until this game after Houston, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.